go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8 through 18. We're in a series right now called Different. Look at your neighbor and just say, something's different. Something's different about you. You're good, Kyle. Thanks, man. You're good. If he keeps playing, man, we'll just sit here for a little while, and i got to preach. And so, I know. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. Let's go there. It should be on the screens. It says, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious... How much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Now, if it sounds repetitive, this is not on me. This is on the Apostle Paul, just saying. I just feel like he's trying to get his point across, okay? Verse 12, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant, I want you to remember that, when the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth, okay? And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him freedom. So all of us, who is he talking to? So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are, watch this word, changed into His glorious image. Today, I want to talk about a different perspective. A different perspective. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day, this opportunity to gather to hear from your word. And Lord, there are a lot of things that have shaped the way we see life, the way we see you. And the way we see ourselves. But today we're turning to you. And I pray you give us new perspective. And not just what to see, but how to see what we see. So Lord, today let the influence of the Holy Spirit be greater than the influence of our traditions, our past, and even our patterns. Today, Lord, speak through me. Just I just surrender myself as a vessel to be used by you. For what you want to say to this congregation today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Uh, Wednesday night, Cynthia and I were, work, were walking through a parking lot at a restaurant. And I told her not to get too close to the bumpers of the cars. Because she may hit a trailer hitch with her leg. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah, where you feel like your leg was like completely amputated by the trailer hitch. And nothing against trailer hitches because you need them to pull the boat. And so we got to have them. Can I get an amen from someone up in here? Yes, yes. But she pointed out something to me after I told her that. She said, uh, you know, you always tell me that when we're walking through a parking lot. You always tell me to walk away from the bumper so that I don't hit my knee on the trailer hitch. And I guess the question I want to ask you today is, have you ever had such a bad experience that uh, it created some new things, some new practices, some new sayings in your life? 
You know what I'm saying? You ever, you ever had such a, a traumatic experience that you said things like this? I will never. Or maybe it was so incredible of an experience that you said something like, I will only. These, this is so interesting how we, we come to think. And without realizing it, sometimes these experiences can become the standard by which we interpret some things moving forward. Uh, I'll give you a good example, and I'll, I'll use restaurants for an example. Uh, when Cynthia and I were youth pastors, we were on a youth group trip, and we took a group. We were traveling, and we stopped to eat, and we went to this unnamed restaurant. They're here in this town, but I don't want to throw them under the bus. And there was a girl with this name, Amanda, who sat down to eat a salad from this fast food restaurant. That's not a good idea. Okay, There are other places which much, with much better options. Just Let me just put that there. But she wanted a salad, and when she was preparing her salad, she found a worm in her salad. And so I went ahead and said something like this. I will never eat a salad from there. Because if there was a worm in one, there's going to be a worm in another. Come on, I mean, y'all, that's kind of how you roll. You know what I'm saying? One bad, one strike and you're out. Not going to eat a salad there. Um, so one of the restaurants that my family really likes to eat, and I will advertise it because I don't want it to close, is Chili's. Love Chili's. I really do. The, the, the queso is like our family favorite, and we go to Chili's regularly. And, um, but I have to tell you, back at home, we had a terrible experience at Chili's. Terrible. Just so bad. And I remember the experience being so bad that we said we will never eat there again. Come on. I know we're not the only family that does this stuff. You've got to be in the same boat as us. But we made a declaration. I will never eat there again. I'm happy to say that Chili's on Thomasville Road has completely redeemed that. And we go at least once a week. It's awesome. Thank you, God, for Chili's on Thomasville Road. Shameless plug keep it open. Okay. Now, uh, a few weeks ago, we established that I like to eat steak. And I do. I like it a lot. And there is a restaurant that we go to just outside of Bainbridge, Georgia. And the steak was so good. And the experience was so incredible that we said something like this. I'm never eating a steak anywhere else again. <laughs> and that's not true. But every time I eat it there, Every time I eat a steak somewhere else, I compare it to there. The experience was so influential that I start making these lifelong declarations. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, why do we do that? Like, we go like to to the like to the extreme with it. Something bad happens to us, never, never going there again. Something incredible, that's the only place I'll ever go. Like, what, what is it about us that causes us to go to those extremes? Now, when it's food, it's funny. Am I right? Like, when it's food, you can laugh at it. You're like, I ain't going to Chili's on Thomasville. Well, fine, okay? I need the rest of you to go, though, okay? Um, so when it's food, it's funny. But what about whenever it's something that's messing with your feelings? What about when it's something that's messing with you and your future? Because, like, I know that there are moments where things have happened in your life. Maybe someone hurts you, and you draw this conclusion. I will never trust anyone again. Because they're not one person that you didn't really like. But what happened was so impactful that you just made a lifelong decision. I will never trust people again. I will never trust you. In fact, I will never trust anyone. And we try to help coach you through that to help you to see that in order for you to have relationships, you got to trust people. And you're like, well, fine, I'll just do life all by myself. And then they wind up in the prayer line saying, I'm just lonely. And no one wants to be around me. Like, we can go down the list, and it's like, I can pray for you, or we can help you change your perspective so that you can see some progress in this area. And this is the angle I want to approach this message this morning because I believe that there's a lot of people that has had something happen in their life or someone has had such an impact on their life that it has influenced your perspective on things. And even though you know and have heard about the goodness of God, 
you may not necessarily believe that completely for you because your perspective has created a narrative that you got to stay true to because of that one time that you made that lifelong declaration that you're going to stick with no matter what. Am I talking to anybody today? And so when we talk about the word perspective, watch this. This is how I want to define it. It's the way that you have chosen to see the world. It's the way that you've, you've decided this is how I'm going to see the world. And this includes the way you see yourself and the way you see others around you. So you have to understand that your perspective isn't just about them, but it begins to affect you as well. And when it begins to affect you, please be aware that it has the potential to hold you back from some of the very things that you have been praying that God will do. Some of the very things you've been asking God for, perhaps we don't see God working on it because our perspective is so skewed by our experience that we believe that the only way that God can work on it is if he would do it the way that we would prescribe for him to work on it. And this is dangerous territory because now we're stepping into a place of authority over the Lord. And I just need y'all to know the Lord, he don't work like that. He doesn't work like that. So I want us to think for a moment about perhaps what could shape our perspective. Some life experiences. We've got some culture going on around us. I mean, let's just bring it home. How about our own family? Am I right? I love my family, but I got to tell you, there are some moments where they affect my perspective. And I know I affect theirs. And maybe we're iron sharpening iron some days, and some days we're just pulling a knife. <laughs> Come on, let's not get too spiritual here. Let's be real. Um, in one way or another, these have influenced our perspective. And I'll take it even a step further, because if it affects your perspective, it's also going to affect your vision. The, the way that you're planning your life, the way you're setting goals, the way you're doing all of that, it is affected by your perspective. Watch this. You can only use the motivation of someone hurting you for so long to try to do something good coming from it before it catches up with you and it hurts you again. Like, like this is how we're, we're, we're trying to operate. Oh, you hurt me? I will show you. You can only show them for so long. And by the way, they're usually not even around for you to show them. But the influence is there. This is what I'm talking about. The influence on your vision that is there. And so when you think about perspective, you've heard of this illustration. You either see the glass half empty or you see the glass half full. And I feel like that's a pretty good description of perspective. But it's incomplete because uh, sometimes the glass might be a quarter of the way full. Or three quarters of the way full. Or nine tenths of the way full or nine-tenths of the way empty. There's so many variables that come into play with this. But when we talk about Jesus, and last week we said Jesus was different, and he makes a difference in us, we have to come to the table realizing that Jesus has a different perspective than we do. The Bible makes it clear that his ways are higher than ours. Like, I can see things from this stage that you cannot see happening right now because I'm in a higher position to see more than what you are. I can see a lot of things that are moving, a lot of things. There's people moving behind the curtains right now that you cannot see, but I can see the silhouettes of them moving. By the way, if you get up there in church and you go back there, I still see you. And sometimes when you get on the phone, we hear you. Just want you to know that curtain does not block your sound. We see you. We hear you. Anyway, just to let you know that. All right. When you begin to talk about Jesus, though, it's this understanding that Jesus came and he was different. He didn't fit the mold, which is why so many people had this rejection towards him. Even though there were so many prophecies about the Messiah that was coming, what would keep such a group of people from recognizing the one that they have long awaited? 
What would keep them from recognizing him from being the Messiah whenever he's coming and he's preaching this message of God's love and the kingdom and so much of it fulfills everything that's been said about him through Old Testament prophecy where he's working miracles and lives are being turned around and people are being healed and yet they still cannot see him as the Messiah even though there's a, uh, just so many different references. Old Testament, right? Like think of this. In the Old Testament, they said that he will come from Bethlehem. They said it in the Old Testament. He comes from Bethlehem. Oh, I don't know if he's the one. What, like, what would keep you from seeing something so incredible unless your perspective has been so affected by something that you can't recognize the God thing because of the thing that you've created in your mind of how you want to see? There's probably really good things happening in our lives right now, but because of some of the perspectives that we have from the things that we walk through, we can't see the good in it. And so we, it, it can cause frustration in marriages. It can cause frustration with your kids. Can I say this? Chances are your kids are doing a lot better than what you think, but because as a parent, you're comparing yourself to other parents. Your perspective leads you to believe that they need to do better and do better. Like, think about this. These are the types of things that begin to affect how we see life. If you compare yourself in marriage, if you compare yourself in business, if we compare ourselves even in church, we're going to wind up with a perspective that is not healthy and cause some actions and some attitudes that aren't even necessary. And we're going to see the fallout in places like our relationships. And we've seen this before. And this is usually our response. Man, I don't know what's wrong with them. Am I right? Come on, kids. You know you said this about your parents. I don't know what's wrong with them. They're saying it about you. I don't know what's wrong with them. What were they thinking? Mom's going off the deep end. Let's go to surge and pray. <laughs> Or maybe your kids are going off the deep end. You're like, we need to bring them to search. So when we talk about Jesus being different, he came with a different perspective. He came with a heavenly perspective. His ways are higher than ours. Watch this. He came with a holy perspective. Watch this. His ways are set, up, set apart and they're pure. There's an innocence to it. It's not an agenda. It's innocence. But because of the experiences that we've had, we now see everything through that lens, and we believe there's a hidden agenda behind it. Oh, you're just trying to get them to do this. You're just trying to make. Do you see the power of perspective? What it will do to us? But the one thing Jesus did I thought was pretty incredible, he came with an honorable perspective because he always honored his father, and ultimately he came to do the will of, of his father and it seems like as he sought to do the will of his father it kept his perspective from falling in the traps that so many of our so many of our perspectives fall into he was so focused on, I want to do the will of the Father, even though people were complaining about the government, even though people were complaining about all the issues of its time. He kept his perspective on, I am here to do the will of the Father. And this was so different than what people were used to. And can I just say this? As a believer, if your perspective is different than the popular perspective, there's going to be problems. And are we secure enough as believers? Come on, this is where it gets real. Are we secure enough as believers that we can maintain a godly perspective or do we need to dumb it down a little bit so that we can just fit in with everybody else? This is where the challenge is for us. So let, let's bring it here, okay? Have you ever met someone with some strong opinions before? I know, you've met me. I got some, okay? And you do too, all right? Chances are those strong opinions are coming from some really significant experiences in our lives. Like there are some, some experiences that I've had with the Lord that no matter what you tell me, you cannot undo them. Like you can argue with me. You can throw theology books at me. You can throw doctrinal books at me. And I will have a conversation, but it's going to be hard for you to move me away from the reality of God that I have experienced with my life. Can I get an amen? amen? 
I'm just telling you, you're not going to, that's a strong opinion, but that's a good, strong opinion to have. I'm not going to force it on you. I'm just going to walk in it. Amen. But then there are some other experiences that we have that create some strong opinions. Okay. And I want you to write this down today. What we experience has an influence on how we see. Okay. What we experience has an influence on how we see. What you've experienced in family, what you've experienced in marriage, what you've experienced with raising children, what you've experienced at that workplace, what you've experienced with employees. I mean, we can go on and on down. Hey, what you've experienced with teachers, what you've experienced with principals, what you've experienced with a coach, what you've experienced with a player on your team. I mean, we could just keep going and going and going. It has the probability and possibility of influencing how you see, how you see people, how you see yourself, how you see God. Come on, how we see the world around us. And I want to draw your attention to the scripture that we read because Paul talks about a veil that represents the old covenant. And I can tell that as we read that scripture, some of us got a little bit nervous because we're mentioning the old covenant that when it's read, it literally puts a veil over our eyes. And it's almost like, Pastor Wade, you're throwing the Old Testament under the bus because you're making it sound like the Old Testament is tripping me up and keeping me from seeing what God has for us. Come on, I know I could feel it in the room. Some of you were thinking that. And then he says, when someone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And this is what I want you to see here today. The veil is not a blindfold. Hear this. It's not a blindfold. It's more like a filter You can see through it, but you can't see clearly. I'm going to use this example. Think about a bride who is getting married. There is usually a veil that covers her face. You can see through it, but you can't see through it completely. And what he was saying was the old covenant, because now we're in a new covenant. If there was no new covenant and you're talking bad about the old covenant, that's a problem. But there's a new covenant. And the old covenant was telling you the way to become right with God through works. The way to become right with God by following laws. And all of these laws, think of this. God gives them 10 laws and they wound up with 613 of them. It sounds like corporate America. Show up to work, be on time, do your job, go to the house. Pretty simple. No, don't wear that. You can't talk to people like that. And it just keeps going on and on and on. Sounds like government in America, am I right? We're making laws about everything. We're making laws about laws, about laws, about laws. And it's this this thorough effort to try to cover everything. And no matter what was done in this old covenant, no one was able to keep it. No one was able to keep it. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and he keeps it, and he says, listen, I've got a new covenant that you don't obtain righteousness through works. You obtain righteousness by faith in me. So this is where it gets interesting, and this is why I want to share this. And last week I alluded to it a little bit, but I want to keep sharing this because there is something that affects our perspective more than what we want to give it credit for, and it is traditional religious thought. That is controlling our thinking because it's holding us to a place of guilt rather than leading us to a place of freedom. We sang today about being free. We're talking about the word that Brenna shared today. It was freedom, that you can be free, but the more you look at this old covenant, all it enforces is that you ain't free. And so Jesus is trying to get them to see, I have a new covenant. Say new. How many of y'all like new stuff? I like new stuff. He says, I come with a new covenant that will set you free instead of a covenant that just condemn. Now, let me give you an example of how this works, okay? Uh, and, and, and just come with me. You, you ever been to a, a restaurant in a convenience store before? Too many hands. You don't have to raise them. You can just acknowledge, okay? And um, usually there's a problem with the plumbing, okay? 
And, and this is what's interesting. When you go in there, um, someone took some time and some effort to make a really nice sign. It'll say something like this. Please hold down the lever for five seconds so the toilet will completely flush. Like they're using clip art, got a nice frame from Hobby Lobby, parchment paper, put it on the wall. That probably took at least 30 minutes to fix. And it will stay on that wall for years and years and years. Some of y'all have been to that, that, that convenience store before. You know what I'm talking about? You've been there for years and years and years. And instead of just making the problem right, they just made you aware of what you need to do so that it doesn't go wrong. Did you hear what I said? Instead of making it right, they just, make, they just make you aware that if you do that, that this is going to go wrong for you. And so many times as believers, we would rather look at a sign on the wall that tells us don't do that and leave it wrong for year after year after year rather than having a plumber come in and fix the dang thing so that we don't have to do that. Amen? And Jesus was the one that came and make it right, but people are still walking in the bathroom looking for the sign on the wall. Come on, am I talking here? I mean, I just, maybe I had a bad experience in one of these bathrooms. I don't know. Pray for the preacher. My perspective is messed up. I just like going to the place where it works. That's why people stop at the busy bee. Because it works. That's why people drive out of their way on these family vacations to find buckies because it works. I don't want a sign on the wall. I just want the thing to work. Mm. It's amazing how these things can mess with us. Anyway, that was more passionate than it needed to be. So it's like a veil. <laughs> Are y'all following me with this? It's like a veil over our eyes. And that's what Paul is referring to with the old covenant. Because that's the way it's always been. And the veil, even though at one time, this was the thing that God was doing, and it was good. Now the best has shown up, but you can't see it as the best because it's veiling you to only see this. That's it. And believe it or not, more people who struggle with sin, it's not so much the sin that you're struggling with. It's the veil that you're struggling with. It's this, this belief system, this mindset. Because somewhere down the road, we felt like guilt was a good thing for us. And holding people in a place of guilt is a good thing. Can I tell you, it's terrible. Guilt and shame is terrible. And when Jesus came to the cross, he didn't just come so that you can stop sinning. He came to set you free from the shame and the guilt of the sins that you had committed so that you could be free. Freedom is the message here. But the old covenant was trying to hold people to the place of condemnation and guilt. And so Paul is trying to say, listen, you can't let the tendencies of your past define your future. You can't let all of these thoughts that you have developed by trying to do it right in your own strength keep you from doing it right in God's strength. And there's so many people that reject God because they would rather live guilty. Because there's some kind of feeling that this thing produces in us. It's pride, by the way, that makes us feel better about our sins by being guilty all the time rather than changing and being right. And when that becomes your cycle of operation for year after year after year, this is all we got. We're sorry. That's all we got. I'm sorry. And so our approach to the Lord for everything, it's never come boldly. It's come with sorry. 
It's never pray the big prayers. It's stay in your lane, buddy, because you, we all know you're a sinner. But I believe the Lord wants you to come to him with boldness, amen, because of Jesus. And pray the big and dangerous prayers because it delights the Father to give you the kingdom. It delights him to give it to you, but we're not going to ask for it because, well, you know, Lord, if you had saw what I had done the other day, and the Lord's like, I did. I did. But this perspective that we have is this veil that is over our eyes. And I think we get stuck in this cycle. And then church and God and prayer and Bible, it just becomes the cycle. It's the same old thing because of these experiences that we've had. And it's veiling our, our perspective from seeing what God might be trying to do in our lives, which has set us free. Imagine this. Imagine if you're a person that has been so shaped by an experience in your life that it's put you in a state of fear that you cannot ask someone for anything. You cannot stand with boldness. You can't even do a job interview because the anxiety hits you so hard. But imagine if that perspective could be healed by the Lord so that you can walk into a job interview or you can sit down with someone and you can ask the hard questions. You can say the things that you've been wanting to say in the right way. Imagine if you can step past the insecurity, step past the fear, and actually walk with a bold and courageous spirit. This is what the Lord wants to do in our lives if we will allow him to remove the veil. But the problem is the veil almost becomes like a fashion statement for us because that's just how I am, and that's just who I am. That's just how I roll. You're going to get the real me. I'm just going to keep it real, keep it 100. And these are the things that we say. And you know what we're actually saying? Here's my veil. Here is my Veil. It's like I'm going to announce it to you before you even figure out what it is. Look, but hey, Michael, I just keep it real, man. That's how I am. I just keep it real. And it's like, are you really keeping it real? Like, are you really keeping it real? Or are you just announcing this is where I've been stuck for the last how many years? And because it's easier to wear the veil than take it off, I'm just going to stay right here. And now try to conform everyone into that perspective. And when people don't fall into it, they're wrong. Someone's getting some revelation right now about some things that's been happening in their lives and trying to figure out, why is it that people, why, wait a minute. It's a perspective. Old perspectives about God, about church, about marriage, perspectives about family, Perspectives about men. Well, you know how men are. They're all. Yeah. All. I tell you this. You got to watch out for the ladies because all of them, all of them. No, they're not. That one was. But that's not all of them. Perspectives that come from being hurt by somebody. Perspectives that come from things like pride and image. Pride's a liar, y'all. Can I just tell you that? It is a bald-faced liar. And this whole idea of keeping up images and appearances, it's just deception, man. It's a veil. That's all it is, a veil. Old perspectives that come from, like, generational practices, this is just how our family's always done it. Like, that's just how men are in our family. We don't tell our kids we love them. That's a terrible perspective. Amen? generational curses, like we can go down the list of all of these different things. And here, here's like, a, like this is life-changing, and you might want to write this down. You will only see what you continue to look at and look for. You will only see what you continue to look at and look for. You will see it. If you look for it, you will find it. If, if, if you are offended and you're always thinking you're going to get offended, keep looking and you will be offended again and again and again and again. It's going to happen. If you look for it, you can find it. If you want to look for people that just trash people, look for them. You will find them quickly. 
It won't take long. If you want to look for people who complain, you will find it. But also, if you want to look for people who are life-given, you'll find them too. You will find whatever it is you're looking for. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because these things become barriers to so many believers. And they don't want to talk about this stuff because they would just rather everybody else change rather than me changing. Can, can we just get to the point here today? I would just rather you change than me change. God wants us to walk and live in freedom. So watch this verse in Galatians 5. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. That's what it's saying. Don't get tied up in slavery to the law. In other words, stuck in an old perspective that you have announced and you're living according to that isn't the way that he is calling you to live now. Like this is what happens. Because once we make these statements, once we say it like that, now we are obligated to keep that and persuade others to walk in that as well. And people aren't obligated to walk in your laws. Like I learned that a long time ago. When I stepped into leadership, you could tell people what to do all you want. That doesn't mean they're going to do it. Can I get an amen from somebody in leadership? I learned that in parenting. I learned that in marriage. Why are you laughing? <laughs> but Jesus came to truly set us free. And he says, make sure you stay free. In other words, which... Which covenant are you going to roll with? The old or the new? The old or the new? And that's so easy to say. Oh, Pastor Wade, let's go with the new. Let's roll with the freedom, baby. But our perspective is so shaped by the old. So when we say things like last week that Jesus wants to give you a new life, you love the feelings of the new life, but your operations are used to the old way. And so whenever it comes time to doing the things that you've always done versus doing the things you know God wants you to do, you're kind of torn because you know what you're supposed to do, but you're used to doing what you've always done. And so now you've got a decision to make. Which way am I going? And because we're so accustomed to the old way, we just go with the old way. And then we come to church on Sunday and want to embrace the new way. And then we go back home and embrace the old way. But we come to church and embrace the new way. Y'all, we are all over the place. Are, are y'all tracking this today? And we've got to decide which way are we going to go. And so let me say it like this. There's a lot of people that get saved, but not everybody follows Jesus. Amen? We get saved, but we don't truly follow Jesus. We follow our old patterns and our old ways, but yet we still want the benefits of all the new. And Jesus is like, hey, come on, follow me, and I will make you, I will show you, I will help you to become who you're supposed to be. You don't need those things anymore as an operating system. We have a whole new way to operate. Amen? So let's break this down. Here's God's way to a different perspective. God's way. Number one is to repent. It's to repent. And I know when you hear that, it goes to the hellfire and brimstone messages. Pastor, don't be mean to anybody. Listen, repent is a life-changing word. Amen. Can I say that again? Repent is a life-changing word. Because this is where I turn from the way that I've been going. And I turn to the Lord. Remember we read it. Anyone who turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And so the question that we got to ask ourselves is, have I really repented or have I just said I'm sorry? This is real. This is real. Because so many people will go to God and ask him for forgiveness, but they never walk in freedom. Because their salvation was left right there. Right where they prayed, they didn't follow through by following Jesus' ways or following Jesus' words. They still have their words and their ways that they're trying to use, but they want the benefit of living guilt-free. Come on, somebody. So to repent means to turn to the Lord. I've made a decision, watch this, to be different. When you repent, you make the decision to be different. It's a change of mind, it's a change of heart, and it's a change in action. It's not just a prayer that we pray, it's a life that we live. Can I get an amen? 
So when we repent, not only are we turning from our sins, but watch this. We must also turn from the things that are influencing the sin that's in our lives. We've got to turn from the things that are influencing the sin. And a lot of people, they will turn and say, Jesus, forgive me, forgive me, and go right back to the place that they were sinning in all over again. And it'll cycle and cycle and cycle. And watch this. Then something bad happens in their life, and they got to run to the Lord. And God, you got to fix this. you got to fix this. Why could you let this happen to me? And actually, most of the times, it's a result of the cycle that we've been on. Are you following this? We've got to change the influence. So repentance is change. And watch this. This change is continual. God is changing us by changing how we think, which is our perspective. And when we decide to repent, watch this. We now allow Jesus, who is the word who became flesh, the word now becomes our influence instead of our opinions. The word of God becomes our influence. Have you checked your decisions with what the Bible says? Or is your, your, your whole decisions based off of your opinions and what you've gathered and what you collaborated with the world system and culture and all of those things? The word has to become the influence of our lives or else, watch this, our repentance is incomplete. I want to say that again. The word must become our influence or else our repentance is incomplete. And usually that kind of repentance is more of the same old religion than it is freedom. Are y'all grabbing this today? Turn to the Lord. Don't just ask Jesus for forgiveness. Tell Jesus, I want life change. I want mind change. I want heart change. So it brings you to this question. Are you willing to allow God to change the way you think? Are you willing to allow him to change the way you think? Here's number two. I repent, but now I got to remove the veil. What has been determining your perspective? What has been determining what you think, how you think, how you see it? And I believe there's some influences on our lives that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal that need to be removed from our lives. Notice how I said that. Not somebody needs to confront you, but the Holy Spirit, because people can confront you and aggravate you. Trust me, I've been on both sides. But when the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's hard to resist because He knows how to approach us. The Holy Spirit maybe trying to get your attention right now to say, hey, this, we need to remove this from your life. This thing is influencing you. We need to remove it. You may not realize what it's been doing, but it's been shaping your perspective. That one person that you feel like you got to be friends with so much, they're the source of so much of your comparison. Come on. Holy Spirit, wants to bring it to your attention. He wants to he, he wants to show you this is the veil. And maybe it's things like tradition. Maybe it's compromise. Or watch this word, tolerance. Buzzword in our culture today. Buzzword. But listen, you think if I don't have tolerance, then I'm a mean person. No, there's the grace of God. Amen? Legalism. Legalism, trying to prove people wrong, trying to always be right. That perspective is going to hurt you. And I pray the Holy Spirit will just begin to just tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, this is some of the stuff right here. Some worldly activities that we just continue to try to justify over and over and over and over. Football season right now, people are tailgating. If you're getting drunk on the weekend, can I just tell you? That's not how God wants you to live. Can I? No, I am going to say that. Because it's an area of compromise that so many people have as believers that is not really a big deal. It is a big deal when you're getting drunk in front of people. Amen? This ain't condemnation, y'all. This is helping you to walk in a place of freedom. 
Seriously, there's so many things that we just justify under it ain't that bad and under the same thing that happened in the garden. Did God really say? This is the way that we try to justify this stuff, but these are the very things that we don't realize become veils on our lives. It's a veil. And now we got to convince other people that it's okay, that it's not that bad, so that we don't feel the conviction. Come on. Can I tell you, God's freedom is so much better than all of that. It is so much better than all of that. Maybe the veil is a hurt. God wants to heal it. Maybe it's a habit. God wants to break it. Maybe it's a generational curse or a generational practice. God wants to break it. But the question is, are you willing to let the Holy Spirit reveal, hey, this is a veil. This is something I've been looking at life through. Perhaps as a parent, your veil over your eyes is things that happened to you as a child. And now you're saying, I'm never going to do that to my kids at the place of forfeiting some authority that you're supposed to walk in. Come on. I hear parents say, I'm never going to tell my kid no. Y'all. That's that's not a veil. That's a poke in the eye. So God's way to a different perspective is repent, is to remove the veil. And here's the third one, to reflect his glory. Watch this, to reflect to reflect his glory. That's how I speak, how I think, how I live. You can tell when someone's been with Jesus. You can tell when someone has been with Jesus because his influence is evident in their lives. Let's say it this way. When you've been with Jesus and the Holy Spirit fills your life, I'm under a different influence now. Are y'all hearing this? I'm under a different influence now. I used to be under that influence, but now the Holy Spirit has filled my life and Jesus has saved my life. I'm under a different influence and because I'm under a different influence now, I have a different perspective. I see things clear. I see things differently. And watch this, the Holy Spirit's job, the job of the Holy Spirit is to make us more and more and more and more like Jesus. It's to bring you to the place that you walk in righteousness, that you walk in peace, that you walk in freedom. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. So watch this. I'm different. I can be different because of the Holy Spirit that's working in my life. You could tell someone who's been with Jesus. So let's finish right here. I want you to think of the veil over the eyes of a bride who's getting married. And she will come to the altar. And at the altar, the father's job is to give the bride away to the groom. But before he gives the bride to the groom, there's something he must do first. He must lift the veil that is over her eyes to present her to her soon-to-be husband. And this morning, as I prepared this whole entire message today, I just believe that the Lord wants to lift the veil off of your eyes so that you can see Jesus and see Jesus the way he sees you. Because when he looks at you, he sees you walking in freedom. He sees you as more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Come on. He, he doesn't see condemnation. He doesn't see guilt. He doesn't see all that. He sees you walking in freedom. He sees you going into that room where it used to overwhelm you and overtake you. He sees you walking in there now, not with pride, but with all humility and confidence. He sees you walking into that situation. Instead of it always defeating you, now you're walking in a place that you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. He sees you overcoming that thing that's been a part of your life for years and years and years. And it was in your dad's years or your mom's years and your
your grandparents' years. He sees you walking in that freedom. And today, I believe the Lord just wants to lift the veil so you can see yourself walking in it. You can see yourself serving the Lord. You can see your family restored. You can see your sons and daughters serving the Lord. You can see yourself walking in that thing that God called you to do, that thing that God called you to be. You can see yourself because now the veil has been removed and you can see the Lord in a whole new way. You will see that he is for you and he's not against you, that he is with you. He didn't leave you. He didn't abandon you. He's been right there all along. And the enemy would love nothing more than to subtly keep you in the spot where the veil is over your eyes to where you can see enough of Jesus to feel good about yourself but be put in a prison of your own perspective. It was for freedom that Christ came to set us free. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you, Lord. The veil of perspective being removed, being removed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Wade, I got a veil. I gotta, I gotta get this veil off of my eyes. Just lift a hand to the Lord right now. You're not lifting it for me. You're lifting a hand. I got a veil over my eyes. That's been there for a long time. It's not a blindfold. It's a veil. It's a veil. Something that's hurt you. Something someone said years ago that stuck with you since middle school. And now you got kids in middle school. And it's still there. Things that hurt you just become a veil. Lord, today I pray over every person. I pray you remove the veil from their eyes. As they turn to you, as they turn to you, thank you. The veil is being removed and freedom is coming in. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. I declare it over him today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. No longer with the mindset of offense and holding grudges. No more with the mindset of trying to be prideful to show how good I am. Instead of just allowing your goodness to flow into our lives. Today, Father, I pray the veils will be removed. And that true repentance, true repentance, true repentance. Father, today I ask you to give us a new perspective to no longer see through those things, but see you clearly. Thank you, Father, for a new perspective today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 A different perspective.